Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Place can chew you up and spit you out in a hurry. High speed chest match. 200 mile an hour pace left. Going into Talladega, you need to close your eyes and pray. Hello, you're in the Motorsports Hour, the show when we talk all things racing with the usual crew, Parker Kligerman and A.J. Allmendinger. Okay, normal people look at the calendar. They see today is Thursday, April 25th. A.J., when a driver looks at the calendar and sees it's the Thursday before Talladega, what happens? Well, it depends on what your assessment of liking Talladega or not is. I was going to try to hold your hand right there through that first 30-second display. Watching because, the video. Because I was in a lot of those wrecks, and it's it was a place that leading up to it during the week, I was already nervous. But on Thursday when I woke up, I became anxious, knowing I had to get on a plane, go to Talladega. And yes, Daytona's a super speedway race as well. But to me, Talladega is just a different ball game. It's wider. We see five, six wide. There's nothing you can do to defend. There's sometimes nowhere you can go. And you know, at some point, there's going to be a big one, and you just hope you're not in the middle of it. I've been upside, upside down twice at Talladega. So it was a place I was just always nervous about going to. I had some good runs, but I also had some memories that I don't really care to if recall. If you feel the need later, by the way, hold hold Parker's hand. No, mine. let's, let's okay. avoid that. But hey, I'm not surprised you don't like that place, talking about your mental attitude here, because I always felt like it's about positive mental attitude, and I've always had that going to Super Speedways, and I love them, and I really enjoy Talladega more than Daytona because of the reasons you talked about. It's more wide open. There's more lanes to work with. You control your own destiny, and maybe a little influence here of my win there in the trucks. Well, that, that was the first one, AJ. Sorry. That's the first win here planting the flag. Wait, wait no, no. That doesn't look like you're not doing a very good No, look at that. That's okay. perfect execution. And it was new for the sport. And then I uh, won there a second time in 2017. So putting those two aside, though, I've always loved this place because I feel like I just enjoy super speedway racing. I enjoy the chess match of it all. I enjoy trying to put yourself in the right position and find that, that perfect move that's going to allow you to be in the lead on the last lap. I've just had a, a thought process to, for whenever I go in these races of saying, think about everything positive because there's a lot of things you can't control. Therefore, I've felt like that's how I've allowed myself to go out there and win. That's so funny. maybe something that, to try, that, you know? That, no, that's funny because I heard him. He wasn't very positive on the radio at Daytona when he crashed. Mm. Mm. Yeah. So you can't always be positive. Can't, nope. That's, yeah. that's why I try to keep it the whole oh, you're, time you're going in. Going in. Yeah. It doesn't. And what it, happens it there. And it slowly decreases as okay. the race goes on. Question for you. You know what's okay. funny? I've always found at Super Speedway races is literally in the first five laps, I know if I'm going to have a good day or not. Do you ever have that? Like, you know if you're in the zone, you're making the right moves, your car's going to do the right things, or you don't. And you're like, this is going to be a tough day. No. No? No, dude. No. See? That's the difference. I, I'd like, I, yeah. We'll see. We'll, yeah. we'll see later in the fantasy picks if you chose oh, yourself. How confident are you? It already begins. 
Okay, I don't know how much attitude uh, will help the, the favorites for this weekend. So who is someone that looks good at Talladega? Well, Brad Keselowski and Joey Logano have combined to win six of the last nine cup races there. So, of course, they are atop the list of favorites to win on Sunday. Keselowski has 7-1 to odds. Logano, who won this race last spring, is 8-1. to Eric Almarola, last year's playoff winner at Dega, 14-1. to Parker, at Daytona in February... Uh, we saw a little bit of a manufacturer playground fight, I guess, sort of erupt. Will we see Chevy's team with Toyotas or something like that again? Well, we could, and it comes down to AJ's favorite word, the package that we have this weekend is a new package. We're running without restricted plates for the first time. We have a large spoiler, and one of the, the key things being discussed throughout the paddock right now is the idea of tandem racing. So this is what we did back in 2011, 2012. Here you see the two-by-two-by-two two two cars. We call them pods, I think, at one point there. And this is where you could link up with, two, with another car and basically go 10 or 15 miles an hour faster than a car that didn't tandem. So this was a crazy form of racing. And the thing about this was it was it was really hard because, you know, you had to stay connected and you had to push in the right way and the car in front had to do all the right things so you didn't spin each other out. And now as we look at the car we're racing right now, though, this car has a lot of identification in the front and in the rear of the car. And those cars that we raced before didn't. So here's a Chevy Camaro. You can see it has a little bit of identification there. It actually comes to a point. Here's a Toyota Camry. You can see sort of the indention on the front there and the points on the side. The Mustang's a little bit smoother, so they might have a little easier time. And then when we look at the rear of the cars, you see here in the Toyota, though, they're the only ones with just a flat back. The other two cars have a lot of identification, including the Ford, which has a huge spot where the license plate would be that you could definitely hook each other. So, AJ, I know that kind of made your eyes glaze over a little bit with too much technical talk, but when I remember tandem racing, I remember even the slightest little thing on the bumper could force you to spin a guy out. Now, if you're talking about bumpers being able to hook on each other, I mean, this could get really crazy if tandem racing is what we're doing. Yeah, for sure, and, and that was something that you really, you, you had to line up Kind of with the out, with the car behind, kind of to the right. You couldn't line up square, and you definitely couldn't have the inside car get to the left side because, as you said, Parker, it would just hook the car. Yep. And that's something you got to tr- have a lot of trust with the person you're working with. But the funny thing is, is you just went through a whole lot of talk right there. Yeah. We have no idea what's going to happen. That is a good point. So Very you good just point. went through a whole plan of this is how it's going to be. Man, you got to get on the racetrack on Friday yep. and figure it out. So that's what's going to be fun is the fact that we're going to see in practice, usually at Talladega or Daytona, yeah, cars getting some packs. They run 10, 15 laps, maybe do some single-car runs. And then it's like, hey, let's just, you know, put the cover over it. We'll wait for qualifying. Qualifying really doesn't mean anything. We'll go to the race on Sunday. Well, now it's going to mean a lot because drivers are going to have to figure out what is going to happen because at Daytona, when that tandem thing started, we didn't know it. It was, and we had a test at the back then. That's when they still had that January test. Drivers didn't really know it until they started kind of trying it out. Like, oh, maybe this is going to work. So practice is going to be way more critical than it's been in the last couple of years yeah, at Talladega. I mean, it might show us, as you said, it will show us what most likely what can be done. And if this tandem thing is for real, or if we all go out there and start spinning each other out, maybe it won't work. You just get up there and you just start just pushing Kyle the front. Bush. You Take just push more, Kyle Busch. Some more Talladega talk coming up throughout the show. Of course, the other big race this weekend happened 624 miles from here at MetLife Stadium in East Rutherford, New Jersey, which for race fans, less than an hour from Wall Stadium Speedway. The roar at the Jersey Shore, not restricted to four wheels this weekend. 
the new era of Monster Energy AMA Supercross. Everybody in the pit area thinks this is their year. I'm going to be champ. First gate drop. Here we go. Who's going to get the whole shot? Gets into the throttle, and there he goes off track. Ralph Shaheen still have a voice. I mean, seriously. Entering MetLife Stadium, here's the 250 class standings. The 250 East Riders will be in action this Saturday, and the championship is up for grabs. Austin Forkner has dominated the East this season, but his big points lead almost gone, and that is because of what happened to him three weeks ago at Nashville. During qualifying, Forkner lost control, suffering a hard crash. Oh, he sustained an ACL injury and was unable to compete that night. His rivals, Chase Sexton and Justin Cooper, both finished on the podium, closing the gap to Forkner in the championship. So, AJ, what is Forkner going to do this weekend? Well, I'm not sure. I'm going to be there. I get to go to this race. So, this is the thing that's going to happen. He's had three weeks to rest and hasn't been on a bike at all. So, as you said, the ACL injury... Supercross riders have been known that whether it's a torn ACL, just a, an, an ACL kind of partial tear, or just an injury to it, Supercross riders have ridden through that. The bigger thing is supposedly he's got a deep bone bruise, and that that picture we saw where he jumped and just landed on it, it just hurt him, and he went down. So it's an unknown. Basically what's going to happen, he's going to kind of wrap it up, put a brace around it, and go ride for the first time. And, and we saw there in the points – the fact is, he can't just go out there, make the main event, and try to score some points. He's got to go out there and beat Chase Sexton and Justin Cooper. So this story of the 250 East is going to play out basically from when we get on the racetrack from that first practice to see how Austin Forkner can react to it. AJ, I just think it's amazing. You know, when you look at motorcycle racing, I'm thinking MotoGP, we've seen riders ride with injuries, crazy injuries before. And, it, and it's just funny that they're sort of like designed to think, even no matter how bad the injury is, I've got to get back on that bike. And that's what you saw there. And then he figured out, wait, this might be too much pain. I can't take that. But they ride. And I'd say Supercross obviously has the hardest job of that because they're going off large jumps and having a huge yeah. landing. But it's just funny to see them you know, have that pre-design of like, I have to get on this bike no matter what, no matter how bad the injury is, and try to ride through it. And the challenge to Supercross, and we talk about it all the time, is the fact that Austin Forkner was undefeated. Mm -hmm. He had not been beaten in an East Coast race all year. And it was just something. Every week he would do the same thing. He's on the edge. He's a rider that loves to just go out there, basically step over the limit, and then kind of come back. Well, finally stepping over that limit caught him, yep. and he's been injured. So now it's one of those things that he's got to go out there for his championship and go compete and compete at the highest level because Chase Sexton – and Justin Cooper are going to be the two guys to beat this weekend. So he has to compete this weekend, or basically the championship is is over? For the most okay. part, uh, unless somehow something crazy where okay. Chase Sexton and Justin Cooper have just horrible races. But, yeah, if he doesn't race this weekend, those two have a strong ride. He's not going to go to Vegas next weekend and contend for the championship. And that's crazy to think that a guy that hasn't lost a race all year yeah. is there's potential he's not going to win the championship. And he doesn't even know if he can ride. Like you said, that first uh, sort of practice session, he's basically going to find out how much pain he's in and if he can ride this weekend. We all have different toler tolerances of pain. 
We'll find out what Austin Forkner's is. Wow. All right. And AJ, as you said, you're going to be there. I'm going to be there. I'm How pumped, pumped are you? I'm yeah, pumped. I'm, I can tell. We're going to talk some more Supercross coming. We'll get to the 450s later in the show. Coming up, a familiar sound returns to Speedway, Indiana, and a familiar name. Can't wait to talk about that. Plus, Talladega has a way of making jaws drop. We will revisit some of the best, perhaps most surprising, Talladega wins. DJ earned the 32nd and final cup win of his career at Talladega back in 2005. Of course, he also won at the Brickyard and had a hand in starting the tradition of kissing the bricks. That tradition eventually made it to the Indy 500, which you can see next month right here on NBC. Yesterday at Indy, 29 drivers took part in IndyCar's open test to start preparing for the 500. Among them, the returning Fernando Alonso, who spoke with our Kevin Lee. The quest for the final stage of racing's Triple Crown has begun in earnest now for Fernando Alonso back at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway on Wednesday. And is this pursuit, how much is it about completing the Triple Crown or that you're just enjoying racing in big, great events like the Indianapolis 500 now? A little bit of both, probably. Uh, obviously, we know uh, the 500, how, how big event it is and um, how important uh, for any motorsport fun it is this race. And uh, at the same time, yeah, I'm, I'm one step only from the Triple Crown after winning Le Mans last year, so it will be uh, amazing if, if, if I can add the Indy 500 one day. And you added a Rolex 24 this year for good measure as well. So back at the Speedway, it was disjointed because of the rain and some mechanical issues. What did you get out of this day back in the race car at Indy? Yeah, not much. Unfortunately, yeah, we've been a little bit unlucky with the, with the weather and uh, some of the decisions that uh, they make in terms of uh, running orders. So, yeah, we, we just had our installation at around 5.30 p.m. And uh, that was, uh, yeah, a little bit too late to, to discover any problem and to make uh, uh, the necessary change. So, yeah, I think uh, we're running short of laps today, unfortunately, but uh, we will try to recover on the, on the next time, on, on the week, on the month of May. I know the day didn't go as you liked, but it was still great to have you back at Indianapolis. And we can't wait to see you again here in just a couple of weeks. Thank you. Thank you. See you soon. Two-time world champion Fernando Alonso going at it for the Indianapolis 500 for the second time this year. We heard Kevin talk about Triple Crown in the month of May. I mean, yeah, we're going to talk horse racing Triple Crown, but uh, Fernando has won Le Mans, Monaco going for the for the Triple with the Indy 500. It's a big deal, and it's really cool to watch him do it. I think this is where I admit that I bought a Fernando Alonso shirt when I was at Indianapolis the other, a couple weeks ago. But anyway, put that aside. I think one thing we should point <laughs> out, uh, in his pursuit of doing this, you know, McLaren there didn't get off the best start at this test. They had the battery issue to start. So they had they rolled out, basically had to be towed back to pit lane, and then he was only able to get 29 laps out there, which just wasn't enough time to get up to speed. And AJ, as you know, you run through a whole program of those cars to get up to speed. So he was obviously upset a little bit there that he just doesn't feel like they got anything out of it, really. Yeah, it puts him behind the eight ball a little bit. But the great thing about Indianapolis is if the weather's good through that whole week, you get a ton of running. So it's kind of to shake the cobwebs back out. Yeah, they would like to have run more laps, but I don't think it's going to hurt them in the long run. Bought a, well, bought a T-shirt, huh? Yeah, I do. I have this T-shirt now. I'll wear it on Indy. Well, I'm racing that day. Never mind. Okay. All right. One of the young stars this IndyCar season has been 19-year-old Colton Herta. But while he may be a rookie, he showed some veteran poise when asked about racing with Fernando Alonso. 
you've grown up in a racing family. You've known race drivers that were friends with your dad, you know, so you probably don't get loud very much. But when you're sitting next to Fernando Alonso, do you kind of sit there and go, yeah, it's pretty cool? Uh, yeah, it's cool, but I don't see it that way just because I have to beat him. So I don't really see it that way, no. Maybe if I was at a Grand Prix weekend, maybe a bit more, but um, not on these weekends. Especially because he's kind of coming into my playground now. He's coming into our playground in America. So maybe if I was over in Europe and saw him, yes, that would be pretty cool, but um, it's different here. How does a 19-year-old like have that kind of confidence? I love it. I like how he also said my playground. Then he backed up a little yeah. bit our playground, but I love that. That's and, great confidence. And honestly, I feel like that's how all the IndyCar drivers feel to a certain degree. And having Fernando Alonso at the Indy 500 gives it even more exposure than it already has, especially in the European side of it. But two years ago when he did this, you could just see all the drivers because everything, it was Alonso mania. And it was like, hey, it's great that he's here, but you know what? We don't want him to win. So, uh, but for a 19-year-old to go out there and say that, it just shows the, the confidence that Colton Herta has going into the season, has gained since he's won a race, and now expects to go to Indy, which... In his first time there testing, he was really quick, knowing that, you know what? Forget Fernando Alonso. Maybe I'm the guy to beat. Yeah, if you're sitting P1 on the board. I mean, it's hard to not have that yeah. confidence. Maybe he didn't go and buy a Fernando Alonso t-shirt mm. this week. Hey, there was something else at Indy that you thought was pretty sweet. I thought, wow, that was a great segue. Well done. <laughs> Impressive. Well, all right. So, as we mentioned, there was a bit of weather out there at during testing. So, here's Doug Bowles, who's the president of Indianapolis Motor Speedway, going out to turn two where there was all these fans who came out to watch the testing go down, and brought them cookies. I think it was oh. some of chocolate chip cookies, but he brought them cookies. I thought that was a cool gesture for a guy in his position to go out there and take care of some of the fans who stu the stuck it out through the rain yeah. to see some great Indy cars going really fast. That's awesome. Yeah, Doug Bowles is awesome. I mean, He's what great. he does for the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, whether it's the Indy 500, the Brickyard 400, any event going on there, He's one of the best track presidents and people you could have in the sport. We're going to see probably more gestures like that. A lot oh, of talk yeah. of Indy coming up this month. And as Indy 500 champion, Will Power knows he, how special race day at the Brickyard is. We talked about that during his conversation with Dale Earnhardt Jr. on the Dale Jr. Download. I'm going to the Indy 500 for the first time this year. My first Indy 500. I've watched it on TV since... I think the first one I ever watched was 82, 83. So, I mean, I've watched it all my life. But everybody says that there's nothing like the real thing and being there in person. So what do I need to know? What do I need to be aware of? What should I – what are the things that I don't need to miss? Well, I think, you know, the first thing you want to do is go stand on the pit wall there uh, as they go into turn one, like in qualifying. That's 240 mile an hour turning into turn one <laughs> wide open, which is pretty amazing. kind of scares you as a driver the first time you do that. You see how fast they are, especially when you hear an engine stop and then you hear boom. Yeah. <laughs> and then you got to get in and go out and do it yourself. Um, it's amazing on race day when you walk out of uh, Gasoline Alley there with the, the size of the crowd. It's insane. It's amazing. Um, just that, that feeling, that atmosphere, how many people turn up. You, you know, you speak to some people there and they say, oh, I've been coming here since 1960 or you know, this is my 50th Indy 500, which is just amazing. Yeah. I say to him, I said, man, you must have seen some pretty cool things, pretty cool cars, <laughs> right. amazing <laughs> drivers. You know, honestly, when I first turned up there, um, 2008, uh, I had no idea of the size of the event, you know, because I grew up racing road courses, uh, raced in Europe, 
Um, you know, they don't do ovals over there. So everyone talked about the Indy 500. And mm. I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, whatever. My first year, I just couldn't believe the amount of media coverage it got. And just you're there the whole month and people turn up every day and hardcore fans. Uh, so that was my first experience. It just blew me away. That's commitment. Did you was that a tattoo of willpower? That was a oh. tattoo of willpower. That's couple things. It wasn't on willpower. Yeah. 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 Right, right. Yeah, okay. That wasn't. He doesn't willpower. have his own yes. face. Yeah. Couple couple things stand out to me there is the fact that he talks about going to stand on pit wall, pit road. Roger Penske, my rookie orientation, made me go stand on pit wall when Elio went by the first time, and I thought, oh, oh my God, that's what <laughs> you want me to do? I'm like, it was, the, the speed is insane. But what he talks about race day, and I'd never been able to experience the Indy 500 because when I was in Champ Car, IRO were split. I never got to be a part of it. So 2013, when I ran for Roger Penske, I thought I knew what the Indy 500 was all about until race day. And that place, when that just that crowd of people, just the excitement level, the anxiety level from drivers, from fans, uh, it's something that I will never forget for the rest of my life. Well, I know what you're thinking. You're at home. You're like, I can't make it. I can't go to the Indy 500 this year. How will they watch Don't it? worry. You are in <laughs> luck because we have you covered. Have you heard the Indy 500, by the way? Right. It's on NBC. We're no just way! Away. That's awesome. Wow, you heard it Indy here. Indy 500 on May 11th. The twists and turns of the road course await first in the Indy Grand Prix, then May 26th. 33 drivers chase history in the greatest spectacle in racing. The Indy 500 only on NBC, the exclusive home of IndyCar. Can you tell we're excited? We're a little bit excited. As the old saying goes, every dog has its day and plenty of underdogs have had their day at Talladega. Next on the Motorsports Hour, we're going to go back to NASCAR. We'll share our top five Talladega upsets. Welcome back. Last night in the Stanley Cup playoffs, the Carolina Hurricanes, look at this, they knock off the defending champion Washington Capitals in Game 7 in double overtime. The Canes earning their first playoff series win since 2009. Here is where the playoffs stand after a first round full of upsets. For the first time in NHL history, the top team from each conference and all division winners were eliminated in the first round, it just goes to show that anything can happen in the quest for the cup. I'm kind of excited about that, too. Wow. Okay, as we know, anything can also happen at Talladega. Let's check out our top five Talladega upset wins. 1981. Keep your eye on that yellow car down the inside. Ron Bouchard is going to go and win this thing at the line over Dale Walsh and Taylor Bonnie. This was an upset here. He's in victory lane. I love that old fire suit, AJ. Look at that thing. It's completely covered in <laughs> grime. That was Bouchard's lone win in the Cup Series seven years later yeah, at Talladega. Yeah, 1998, Phil Parsons stealing a win. Man, that black skull bandit car. I like that. That classic skull. <laughs> the hair is even better, though, here on Phil. That's a blonde boy yeah, out there. Good. Number three. This one had a controversial finish in oh, 2006. This is, yeah. Brian Vickers tries to make a move on his teammate there. Jimmy Johnson takes out Dale Hart Jr. at Talladega. How did he make it out of that That's line? That's real upset. That's what I got out of Talladega alive. <laughs> yeah, <that's true. laughs> All right, let's jump to uh, whatever, number two, spring 2009. This is where the Brad Kozlowski-Carl Edwards rivalry is born. You weren't supposed to go below the yellow line. Brad Keselowski said, I'm not going below the yep. yellow line. But let him force uh, it. Yeah, Carl Edwards went up into the uh, grandstands there and bounced back in. I remember driving by this thinking, 
Wow, that was big. And the reason he didn't go below that yellow line was a year prior, Regan Smith got a win taken away for going being forced below that yellow line. So he listened, and that happened. At number one, spring 2013, teammates David Reagan and David Gilliland team up in overtime, charged to a one-two finish for Front Row Motorsports. And this was a long day, as you can tell. It's basically nighttime there, so there were rain delays and tornado delays. I think delays. there was a tornado warning. Yeah, whatever. It was, it was a crazy day, but you know what? That's a very deserving win for that team, Front Row Motorsports at the time, who had put so much into the series with not many results to go out there and get that win with both their drivers. Well, it. and speaking of David Reagan, he is, I guess you'd say, a long shot. According to Vegas, 100 to 1 odds to win on Sunday. Somebody's got to take that bet because David Reagan, you see other notables, Eric Jones, 30 to 1, Austin Dillon, Kyle Larson, uh, 40 to 1. But yeah, I mean, David Reagan, that's a name I think you always have to pay attention to at Talladega. Who else is thinking this is opportunity weekend? I mean, that's a value bet there. 100 to 1? 100 to 1. Wow. I mean, I'm, I'm taking it. <laughs> I'm taking that's, it. That's a great I'm bet. not betting on Parker. I can tell you that. But that's, well, you know, that's Can't unfortunate to hear. <laughs> so, uh, I, you know, I thought we friends. But you know what? The other ones that point out that, that stuck out to me yeah, there was Austin Dillon there at 40 to 1, and also Daniel Hemrick at 80 to 1. Wow. I just look at those two RCR cars. I know Daniel Hemrick has not had a great start to the season. He actually was the latest guest on Nate Ryan's NASCAR and NBC podcast. Listen to it, it's great. But uh, thank, well, that's the plug for Nate. Yeah. But I think those two, you know, the RCR cars are always so strong at Super Speedway Racing. How could you put, how could you not at least look at those two and think that's a pretty entertaining bet? And that's the thing, Parker. I mean, Talk about Daniel Hemrick's season. I mean, it's it's been a struggle to say the least. You win at Talladega. It's all fixed. early part of that season. Doesn't matter. <laughs> right. You're in the you're in the playoffs. Yeah, it's all fixed. So I yeah. think that's a great one. And then last but not least would be Matt DiBenedetto. You Why? know, with his run at the Daytona 500. Okay. I know the package is changing, but he's definitely one I think a lot of people have their eyes on. He'll be someone that a lot of people look to work with. We know he works so well with Joe Gibbs Racing, being an affiliate of theirs. So. He's definitely in a great position to maybe go out there and get that first win and upset the field. I don't I don't really want to throw it out there since it'll be later in the show, but he might be on my starting lineup. Oh. But I'm going to say he definitely is because you just said it. Okay, so that was and a little might. tease. You mentioned Daniel know. Hemrick and, the, and Nate's podcast. We've got a little bit of that, a little taste of that coming up mm. later in the show as well. Okay, so a little yeah. bit of All everything right. today. Well, yeah. You know, it does take power to win at Talladega. An engine mastermind, Doug Yates, can make power as good as anyone. Kyle Petty sat down with him for this week's edition of Coffee with Kyle. Let's go to Talladega. I've been to Talladega my whole life. I've never seen one team one manufacturer that committed to changing the race. They changed the way everybody else run that race. Stuart Haas Racing has been out front almost this whole race. This whole car is up front are pretty ridiculous. I've never seen anything like that in Talladega. It was, um, it was amazing. I mean, it was one of those moments when we were before that last caution, I think we were first through ninth. And <laughs> I tell these guys, I love Daytona and Talladega. I mean, it's really special. So I told them I had a dream two years ago that we said we qualified first through 10th. It, it didn't work out, but I, we almost had first through ninth at Talladega, but it was amazing. I mean, the Stuart Haas guys, I mean, their cars were in a class of their own, but what I was really proud of is that the Penske guys were next and Stenhouse was after that. And and it was, um, that was one of those moments where it, you just smile about it, you know, And but, but Talladega really goes back to Robert Yates and Baby Allison. These guys did a super job on this car, and I could do anything I wanted to with it. I'm going to tell you what, I'm just tickled to death. And, you know, we used to test there all the time. All the time. And, and, and I remember being there one winter. We ran 211 miles an hour, average, with Davey, testing. 
But we, we were literally, Kyle, and you know this, before Daytona, we would lock ourselves in the shop, take the clocks off the wall, and work for two months straight. I love it when people say Daytona and Talladega is a crap shoot. Because then I know that we're going to work yeah. hard and just go down there and hopefully have an yeah. advantage. Because, you know how racing is, you win with advantages. And, and uh, to see all those forwards running up front like that, and, yeah. and for Eric to win the race was, you know, he's a great guy. So it turned out really special. I just love racing at Talladega. If we wreck, we wreck. And if we win, we win. And we won! You did it, buddy! We won! And the cool part about it is you get people, your buddies in the garage say, man, that was awesome. That's the most important. The, your peers, when they, they talk to you, that's a lot better than fans. It's cool. I mean, I've got to experience Doug Yates' horsepower. It's quite good. <laughs> right here. It's, it's, yeah. it's really good. And them talking about how the manufacturers line up, this is why Toyota and Chevy had to line up at Daytona, because Ford has done such a great job as a group, making sure that all their cars were up front. And I think Doug Yates and Roush Yates in general have played a huge part in that because they're all under the same engine umbrella. It's easy to get everyone in the same room to say, okay, guys, we need to work together. And I think Kyle said it best. Last year at Talladega, they changed super speedway racing for everyone by the way those Stuart Haas cars work together. So it's always been a catch-up. It was a catch-up at Daytona. But as we've said this whole show, we changed the package. So maybe that'll all go out the window. Hey, speaking of coffee and coffee with Kyle, where would you guys go to get a really good cup? When you think coffee... Seattle. As a matter of fact, one week from now, Kyle will be drinking his coffee in Seattle because oh, the Kyle Petty okay. Charity Ride, the 25th year, begins in Seattle. Go Seattle to Key Largo. That's corner to corner. 11 states, nine days, all for one cause, Victory wow, Junction. That's amazing. That is cool. How about that? That's incredible. It's amazing. It's been 25 years of that. And what an undertaking. I mean, I, I know he does those pre-runs with his insane. wife. And it's, it's a fun time, but I mean, that's such they do a it right. They do it right. And everyone can follow along, of course, on Kyle Petty Charity Rod, Facebook, Instagram, NBC Sports, all of that. We're going to have the whole thing for you. It's going to be a lot of fun. And I hear and you're... I am. I am. I, just, I thought we should put that out there. I know. Can I I'm a biker. Car on that? I'm a biker. Uh, what do you think? Yeah, totally. Yeah. Rutledge is, I think Rutledge has done the, done the ride in a sidecar before. There you go. So it can I'll happen. I'll drive. It can happen. And I'll sidecar it. There we I go. i got to get my Everybody motorcycle in. license first, though. <laughs> All right. Coming up, we will turn back to this weekend's Supercross action in the shadow of New York City as Cooper Webb and Eli Tomac get set to resume their fight for the championship. Welcome back. On Tuesday, Mission 600 continued with Bubba Wallace visiting Seymour Johnson Air Force Base. That's in Goldsboro, North Carolina. A little bit like Top Gun going on there. In conjunction with the Department of Defense, Charlotte Motor Speedway's Mission 600 has NASCAR drivers meet the men and women of our armed forces and learn about how they defend our freedom every day. So Bubba suited up and underwent training and a pre-flight briefing before joining Captain John Tilton for an orientation flight aboard an F-15 E-Strike Eagle fighter jet. Codenamed Joust 43, the flight had Captain Tilton take Bubba from the Appalachian Mountains to the Outer Banks. Now that is cool, and of course we are forever indebted to our military men and women. Now Bubba Wallace faces 600 grueling miles next month at Charlotte, but next January the competitors of the Dakar Rally will face a much longer challenge in an entirely new place. Earlier this month, Dakar organizers announced that the race was going to the Middle East for the first time. And today, they revealed the 2020 route through Saudi Arabia. The race will run from January 5th through the 17th with a rest day 
On the 11th in the capital city of Riyadh, competitors will face nearly 6,000 miles of terrain over 12 stages. Wow. Australia's Toby Price and KTM won this year's Dakar Rally. Now another rider is looking to bring KTM another championship in Supercross. We're going to talk about him in just a bit. 23-year-old Cooper Webb. Last year I had broken my leg in Minnesota and was just lying really in the hospital, just really questioning things and um, knew I needed to change something and I wasn't sure what. And I'm a religious guy and I prayed about it. And that Monday, Roger DeCoster called me. I just couldn't believe it. I haven't had good results. You know, what is he seeing that I'm not? And I'm just like, man, it's such an elite team if that guy believes in me and that organization believes in me. And I still believe in myself. I just know it'll be the, the right fit for me. Webb has held the red plate as championship leader in the 450 class since mid-February, but he still has some work to do on Saturday at MetLife Stadium. Back-to-back -back wins from Eli Tomac have cut Webb's lead to 18 points with just two races to go. And as we said earlier in the show this weekend, AJ will not just be a fan of the Supercross event at MetLife Stadium, he will be at MetLife Stadium. I mean, we talked about the 250 class. This 450 class, it is really getting down to the wire. Yeah, Cooper Webb is, is just... What he's been able to accomplish this year is just an understatement. You know, as he talked about in that piece just a little bit, he was struggling. He, he was a rider that wasn't having any results. He was getting injured. And then he gets the call from Roger DeCoster from Red Bull KTM. And really, he's just come out of nowhere. The first couple of races, he showed some speed. And all of a sudden, he got his first career win. And since then, he's won five more times. He has six wins. And it's just those – the races where – and the last few weeks have been a perfect example. In practice, he's off, qualifies 10th, 11th. He races, doesn't show a lot of speed. And you're like, okay, maybe this is the weekend he falters. Maybe the points kind of closes back up. And all of a sudden, the gate drops. He gets the whole shot or he's up front. And he just kind of limits the damage, makes no mistakes. While everybody else around him, whether it's Eli Tomac, Marvin Muskan, they make mistakes. Or they're just really been intimidated by Cooper Webb. And because of that, we see with two races to go, yeah, it's not over yet. Eli Tomax won the last two. He's had a lot of speed, but all Cooper Webb has to do, to me, really is just be clean in the first couple laps of these two races, finish inside the top five, and he's going to be a champion. I want to get to Eli Tomac in a second, but for new fans, getting a call from Roger DeCoster, a little bit like Roger Penske, Rick yeah. Hendrick, and NASCAR, right? Yeah, Doesn't much. get much bigger. Yeah, exactly. So we know Cooper Webb has uh, had some big eyes on him, but Eli Tomac, these last couple weeks, has been doing everything right. Yeah, and it, because he has to. And, and this is what's been... Uh, just interesting about Eli Tomac is the fact that when he's on, speed-wise, nobody can touch him. There is nobody out there that can show the raw speed that he has. But when he's been off, he's just been average. He's had finishes outside the top 10. Uh, he's had mistakes. So that's really what's cost him. He has five wins. We see it there. But the difference is, is when he doesn't win, he's usually off the podium. When Cooper Webb doesn't win, he's been on the podium. So because of that, Eli Tomac's 18 points down and really has to go out and win these next two events to even have a shot. And even if he does that, Cooper Webb just has to be smart, keep doing what he's doing, and nobody's going to catch him. So Cooper Webb has that consistency. We said you're going to be at MetLife Stadium. How does this track sort of shape up? What are these riders in for? Well, we're going to see with this track map here, it's got two whoop sections. So that's the, the whoops right now are going to be something where these riders are going to have to have a, a, a tough challenge. You go down the straightaway here, long front straightaway, kind of a 90-degree left there, a rhythm section. 
make the corner, you go into another rhythm section. What I love about Supercross racing is this rhythm section will change throughout the night. Riders will find different ways to go through it. We see here, they make the corner over the start finish line jump, make this kind of that corner's gonna get slick. Another tight left-hander that's gonna be slick. Then you go into this rhythm section triple. You can either maybe see the rider's quad, but the whoops here, through here, make the corner, come back down the back straightaway here into another whoop section. And it's just one of these racetracks that uh, the, the, the Supercross designers, they do such a great job of making it difficult for these riders. And uh, the thing two years ago, Eli Tomac came into MetLife Stadium with a chance to win the championship and had a meltdown. So it's some bad memories that maybe he's going to have to deal with and show up and go out there and win this race to even have a shot at this championship. Some demons, possibly. And we talked about the 250 class earlier. It's going to be amazing to see what Austin Forkner can do fighting through the pain. His team has confirmed he is scheduled to ride and scheduled to line up uh, this weekend. So it's going to be good. It's going to be fun. We're going to see the storylines change throughout the night. Up next, Daniel Hemrick relives a funny story of how a life-changing victory was almost impacted by his gas tank. The details next. Welcome back on Tuesday night. The E-NASCAR Peak iRacing Series was at Talladega. Yes, they were. They were running the new package, and it was absolutely crazy racing. They ran three and four wide through the majority of the race. Here we see Michael Conti from Junior Motorsports getting spun. That's one of my drivers there, Logan Clampett, involved in that wreck. But they came down to a four-wide finish. So here we are at the finish here. As they go four-wide, Nick Ondren, the 47 car for JTG Dottery Racing, won it. Brad Davies in the 88 got spun in front of the field. It was just a crazy finish that hopefully maybe we'll see something similar say, in real life this Sunday. But it was a great race. Where'd your drivers finish? Not well. No, okay. they were. One was involved in the wreck uh, early, Ashton, and Logan with led lots, led a lot of laps, but then got wrecked. This is, by the way, this is like yeah. Parker's dream show because we had at least dream segment, iRacing, yes. and a big announcement. Well, it is a bit of an announcement, yes. So my paint scheme for this weekend at Talladega in the 96 car for Gaunt Brothers Racing pays tribute to TRD over their last 40 years in American racing. This is their 40th anniversary this year, and so we're giving a little tribute here with some of my favorite colors there with that retro orange, yellow, and red. I just think it's such a cool thing. So uh, this is going to be exciting. It's a really cool honor to kind of have these colors on the car for all that Toyota has done for racing in North America, and especially NASCAR as of late. And to celebrate that a little bit, I've actually brought a little present in here, AJ. How do I look in my hat? You look good, man. Do I look good? You look Thank you. Good. How, how's yeah. this? That's. I think this is a cool hat. I'm gonna wear this around all the time. This is cool stuff. You bet. Yeah. Just been waiting. Yes, for this the whole thing. time. I actually have a shirt on too, but you I couldn't I figure out how to get. Couldn't his mic figure out how to, to get my mic out of the way. I'm gonna do it now. Oh, here okay. we go. Oh, oh no. We just oh, no. it out. Where's he the music at? Out. 40 years. 40 years. That's cool, though. That's, that is cool. 40th yeah. anniversary of TRD. Yeah, awesome. this is a cool deal. So thank you to, uh, to everyone making this happen. Thank you for being put on. And now you just have to hold that microphone Now I have to hold like this, this the whole time. The oh, hey, show. how you doing? That's, that's a good deal. Yeah. Don't, don't mess it up now, man. Thanks. Yeah. Appreciate it. Yeah. You have so much you know, confidence in me. This yeah. was surprising to me. Parker, it's your cup debut at Talladega. It is. I didn't realize that. So that is an interesting deal. I guess, you know, I just have, a, it was maybe one of the only tracks I haven't been mm-hmm. in, in, in cup, cup. And with winning uh, Talladega twice in the truck series, you'd think it's somewhere. I've run well in the XP but no, I have not. This will be my first time, so Very looking cool. forward to it. We'll awesome. see if that positive attitude I know, stays positive for 500 it's miles. So the cup debut at Talladega for Daniel Hemrick after winning the pole last year at Talladega in the Xfinity Series. Hemrick makes his first cup start there on Sunday. Recently, Daniel shared a funny story from his early years on the NASCAR and NBC podcast with Nate Ryan. 
So you didn't have enough gas to get home, yes. and you siphoned gasoline yep. out of the actual winning race car, <laughs> is that right? That's very true, very yeah. true. My mother gave me a 1995 Honda Civic when I was, uh, I turned 16, and she had bought that car brand new, so it was it was uh, quite a few years old, and that's that was my daily driver, and I remember at that point didn't have a shifter ball on it, you know, nothing worked on the thing, it was all I could do to get gas, get back and forth to the racetrack, and, and I remember pulling in on fumes, I mean, just out of gas. And thought, you know, heck, I was just going to get in the race car. I made it. I'd figure out how to get home after. Never would have dreamed that night would have turned out the way it turned out. When I won that race, Don Hawk presented the check. Before going on the microphone, Hawk said, man, what, what do you think? What are you going to do? And I, I just leaned in to, to Hawk and whispered in his ear and said, man, I don't even have enough money to get gas to get home. <laughs> True story. Ended up siphoning gas out of out of the race car, using fuel out of the extra jugs we had that had a little bit of fuel in them to put in the Honda that night. And off we went. That's so cool. I did an interview with Daniel shortly after that Legends win. I think he said it was his national TV debut. And he said a 95 Honda Civic. I think Nate Ryan drives a 1995 Toyota Tercel right now. Yes, currently. you guys still drive so it. So they yeah. have that in common. Don't forget you can catch more conversations like that with Nate Ryan on the NASCAR and NBC podcast on uh, Twitch, Hulu, whatever streaming device you kids <laughs> use these days. None of those are even accurate, are they? <laughs> I forgot, I forgot I wrote that and then didn't take Where that out. And I was podcast. like, okay, I think those are streaming devices, right? Okay, big night tonight. Avengers Endgame hits theaters. Ooh, There's a yes. NASCAR edition being released now on NBCSports.com. So I guess we're turning oh, NASCAR drivers okay. into All Avengers. Right. What do you think of this one? Um... Yeah. <laughs> I, okay, here's the problem. Why? I don't know if, if Austin's, you know, secretly a, a, you know, engineering genius in right. the background. No, if, if, so. if the helmet was a little lower and you could see yeah. Austin Dillon's beard game. Maybe. That would be better. Be That's true. He does wear suits like him. Yeah. That's oh, true. Yeah. okay. Yeah. Who's next? Uh, oh. Mm. Yeah. Now, why this? Okay, I don't um, I guess Rocket. the outspokenness of oh, okay. uh, Rocket there. I, so both a guardian I, I of the galaxy. With, yes, I would have went with Ryan Newman on that because he's the Rocket Man. Yeah, yeah. Rocket Raccoon. Yeah, and I think a raccoon would be hard to pass. Look as at well. little group peeking out there. Okay, so oh, yeah, that actually that makes. Ooh, sense. I guess after yeah. Do you remember why? I yeah. think I do. Yeah, would okay. this have been at Phoenix? Maybe. Oh yeah, there it is. Yep. Here comes. Yep. See, he walks in. You can see his face actually he's changes green right here. He's yep. Banner, and then yep. all of a sudden he turns in. And the then Hulk. there comes yeah. the Hulk. Yeah. I'm surprised that suit was able to stay on the body slam. Now he's just going to fight what the is, crew. What is Drew Blickensdurfer then if if Daniel's the Hulk and Drew was holding Not him down? Not sure, but all I know is uh, I'm Groot. I am Groot. I am Groot. I am Groot. I have, have no idea what that means, honestly. I don't know. Okay. I am Groot. I am not. So, yeah, for more, check out NBCSports.com. That was fun. I am Groot. That's all he says. I am Groot. We love him for it. Coming up, it's fantasy pick time. Find out who Parker and AJ are selecting for their teams. AJ has given you some hints throughout the show. Also, what surprise driver Roto World is saying to leave off your team? And then there were eight. The second round of the Stanley Cup playoffs start tonight as the well-rested Columbus Blue Jackets get back on the ice to square off against Brad Marchand and the Boston Bruins. We'll get you set for game one on NHL Live. Looking forward to more playoff hockey tonight. We've got two Global Motorsports Stars of the Week, both AJ from American Flat Track. Yeah, Shannon Texter winning the singles class at Texas. She, uh, she was quick all night. Had a bad start, rode through the field. It was a fantastic finish. So to get her first win of the year. And then you got Jared Mees 
to get his first win of the year, the two-time defending champion, having to fight off his young teammate, Briar Bauman. It was, uh, it was a great night at Texas. Well, you can watch the Texas Half Mile this Sunday at 5 Eastern here on NBCSN. And you need to to watch Shayna and Jared. Shayna looks great in a cowboy hat, too. Great job from star of the week to fantasy picks. Are you guys ready? Yeah. Don't forget you can sign up for Fantasy Live at NASCAR.com and join the NBC Sports NASCAR America League where you can play against these guys. You can, and you have a great chance of beating AJ because he makes see. all the wrong picks. Parker, who are you going <laughs> But also with? me, actually. So you here's, here's my team. Week? We're going to put it up here in a second. So basically, I went a little crazy here. So I've got... Shocker, he chose himself. Wait. Yeah, I'm, I'm in there. But I got Joe Legato because I need a Ford. I need a Penske Ford. Yeah. I got Chase Elliott. Felt like he's a good pick. I mean, I just went kind of crazy with this new package. Ricky sent out a shooter. Just know how good he is on shooter. He's got a positive mental attitude. AJ, something you could try. Chris Buescher, your old teammate. He's, oh, he's one of those drivers I think should be one of your picks where you know he's most likely going to avoid all the wrecks and be there at the end. Then I picked myself, of course. And in the garage, I have Danny Hamlin, our Daytona 500 winner this year. I'm mean, so, I feel confident that you know he's going to miss. He, he crashed at Daytona, Chris Buescher. Like, I felt bad for him. Mike's teammate. Yeah, but I feel like he'll turn around. Okay, I got you. Yeah, no, Chris, that was Chris crash. By the way, side note. What is that picture from? What I don't is going know. on they, they there with your picture? Like, I, I look like, like I'm half asleep. Is, or there, is there no PR person on your team or media person to like, hey, no. don't let that picture go? I'll, I'll email them now. But by I'm the gonna, way, I'm going to reach out I to do like that. I do like that Chris Busher pick, though. Okay, because AJ, Chris is really good at Talladega. Okay, here's your picks. Yeah, there's my. So I you know, went out a. It, we got a little bit of a Ford thing going on here. We got four Fords. Ryan Blaney, always fast on the super speedways. Obviously, Eric Almirola won the last time we were there. Paul Menard's always good yeah, at Super good Speedways. One. I had to go with Ricky Stenhouse Jr. as well. And then my boy, <laughs> Matt DiBenedetto. That is the guy right there. He had a chance to win Daytona. He's going to shock the world. He's going to win Talladega. Did he promise you another dinner date if he wins? My treat if he wins. Oh, you'll yeah. treat this And then time. in the garage, Austin Dillon because he's really good there too. As you would notice, I did not pick Parker because A... That pick is horrible. I would never let that on my fantasy pick. <laughs> and you said, Parker, you were going crazy. It's not crazy because you pick yourself every week. So that part yes, is not crazy. That's not. For fantasy advice, check out Dan Beaver's cheat sheet on rotoworld.com. His value pick, Ty Dillon. His garage pick, David Reagan. We saw he was 100 to 1. That's a great go with David Reagan. Red flag. He says Brad Keselowski. Wow. wow. That is an interesting okay. choice. Oh. Hmm. That's very Great. interesting. I would. Uh, I was actually between Logano and him, and I actually went with Logano. So maybe, maybe I was kind of. Yeah. I, I've I understood know, channeling, what Beaver was yeah. saying there, man. He's saying don't take him. So Parker, I all kidding aside, man. Good luck. Good luck go, this week. Go oh, take that you. 40th anniversary Toyota up yeah, front. Appreciate awesome. it. Make it happen. We play on it. Because Great luck sure. to you. Don't forget to tune in. I really AJ hope if he does that picture. Thanks different. for watching. Oh my goodness. Sports Hour. Tune in Saturday at 5 Eastern here on NBCSN for Supercross. Yes. Will be in the booth up next. NHL Live gets you ready to that. start That's pretty. the second round. <laughs> Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz & Watson, it's a family thing since 1939.